I'm sorry, this really has got nothing to do with us. He was slinging pawns at a B&B when he had an epiphany. And they complained about Tom too about not playing the ND. It was free to all, and I heard him say he bought my Borderlands. But just sit back and let Spencer do his trick, 'cause you're incapable. Hello and welcome to Keep Off The Borderlands, a podcast about RPGs and stuff. My name's Spencer, aka Free Thrall, and you could probably tell that I've got another stinking cold. I usually think of this as my favourite time of year, but I always forget about this side of it. Although, to be fair, I thought I got all this stuff out of the way last month, but enough of all that because it is October already which you may know as OSR October or OSR Toba or my own personal favourite OctoSR that doesn't appear to be getting any traction a month in which many of my RPG podcasting buddies the former anchorites will be celebrating the positive aspects of the OSR and we have Mr. Rob C. of Down in a Heap to thank for coming up with that idea last year. And it's great to hear Rob back on the mic once again, who kindly gave this show a shout out as he very impressively went through the entire list of podcast contributors from last October. I think of the OSR as a creative movement. I personally consider it to have been largely a positive force reinvigorating the hobby as a whole my own experience or perhaps more accurately the experience I've chosen to have the folks I was drawn to were a positive progressive inclusive and diverse bunch of creators that represent part of a community for want of a better phrase that has chosen to reject those who attempt to establish themselves as authorities on such matters. I know that isn't everybody's perception or experience, and I've been wondering whether or not to address OSR October at all, because I do feel that in many ways I've said all I want to say about it as a philosophy, a play style, and a creative movement. My conclusion basically being that it's a label that works exactly how people need it to work. Certainly more helpful to some than it is to others. I think I'll focus on that midsection of the OSR Venn diagram. Material that's unarguably OSR by any metric. Material that's fully compatible with those early editions of D&D, original, basic and advanced, and was created after the term was first coined back in 2004, 
obviously the term was coined to describe something that was already happening so it's kind of arbitrary but for argument's sake i'll be keeping that in mind when considering material although i very much doubt i'll be delving back that far anyway and to demonstrate that in this episode i'll be taking a look at a brand new zine called the bizarre brochure anyway i think that's enough about what i said i probably wasn't going to be talking about (laughs) so uh let's get to the messages Hey, Spencer, just listening to your latest episode, and I was really (laughs) surprised to hear you talking about Fist, because right before I was listening to your episode, I was listening to Rich's episode from Cockatrice Nuggets, and he was talking about this game, too, and I was like, dude, that game sounds pretty cool, man. And then all of a sudden, your episode comes out, and you're talking all about it, and I'm like, damn, man. I totally remember that post you put up about uh, a game that would replace 80 percent of your other games and i responded with something snarky because the blind rat is a snarky ass but claymore responded with something cool and we went back and forth having fun i followed them those they seem like super cool guys so it was really really cool to hear you talking about this game it sounds awesome man it sounds it also sounds right up my alley so thank you for bringing that to my attention that the rules are free while the kickstarter's running um yeah just good to hear from you again dude Hopefully everything works out with all the BB stuff. You know, everything is garbage. <laughs> the world is garbage right now. But yeah, man, it's just good to hear from you. Uh, Spike Pitt, sorry, I'm rambling. But last thing, Spike Pitt sent me a podcast of Alan Moore talking on the How To podcast. And I, while I was listening to it, I just kept thinking, dude, this guy really reminds me of Spencer. Like the way he says mental the way Alan Moore says mental is exactly the way you say it. He totally stole the way you say mental. Uh, and there was a couple other words that it was just like dead ringer for the way you say it. And I was like, Alan Moore, stop copying Spencer. Anyway, dude, you're awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm getting out of here. This is already too long. Peace out. Thank you, Joe. Joe Richter there of Hindsightless. Uh, yes, I'm sure you noticed that shortly after sending me that message, Pete Jones of Dragons Are Real posted a review of Fist as well. Just prior to listening to your message, I'd been catching up with Cockatrice Nuggets. And, uh, well, yeah, just coincidence? Synchronicity? Evidence of the universal mind in action? Or maybe just good marketing and making your game free to download? While the Kickstarter's running, we'll never know. And Claymore, the people behind Fist, they seem like a swell bunch and it's largely the tone of their writing that I really enjoyed. I'd say it's absolutely ideal for beginners and old hands alike. Clearly written, a nice reassuring pep talk tone, but never pandering. Walking you through things step by step instructional but not prescriptive just a really well judged tone to the whole thing and my love affair continues as i've been reading through the rest of fist yet the world is kind of garbage but i keep waiting for that pendulum to start swinging back the other way in the meantime 
we're just doing what we can to make things work, not losing sight of what's important. Old Spike Pit, Colin Green, sent me the same link, which sent me down a bit of a Alan Moore rabbit hole. And to say that Alan Moore reminds you of me, I, I'm not entirely sure how to process that. There are few people I revere as much as Alan Moore. But I have to say that I'm a little disappointed that he has taken to imitating me. It seems he is in danger of becoming the Stan Lee to my Jack Kirby. Mental. Thank you for an awesome message from an equally awesome guy. Cheers, Joe. Hey, Spencer. Jason here. So listen to your Two-Fisted Attack episode, and you'll probably get a couple calls from me. In your response to Anthony's call, you mentioned how Bill Willingham put released all of his th- things to public domain. But, of course, that's not how IP wor- law works either. And anybody that tries to use that stuff is going to face Warner Brothers. And specifically here, we're talking about fables, right? And Warner Brothers, who own DC, have already said they disagree that he has that right. And they'll vigorously fight it in court. So unless you have deep pockets, I don't know how smart it would be to try to cash in on Willingham's claim. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Okay, on to the next call. Thank you, Jason. Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Well, yes, I know Bill believes DC don't have the exclusivity rights to Fables, but I'm sure folks are well aware who they'll have to contend with if they do test out his theory. Okay, you just responded to Nate's call, and, you know, I think there's an easy way out of this, and... I have now settled on one answer whenever this question comes up. The question, of course, is, are the Dungeon Masters players, right? Are the Game Masters players? And you've mentioned the OSR, and anyone that knows the OSR is going to recognize Matt Finch's efforts. And here is what it says in Swords and Wizardry White Box. There are two kinds of participants, the referee and the player. For the players, the first step in playing the game is create a player character. This is a simple simple matter of rolling some dice to determine your character's strength and other basic attributes, picking character class and buying in-game equipment. If you're the referee, however, you've got a bit more preparation to do. And it goes on. But ultimately, this is decisive. Your referee is not a player and your player is not a referee, but both are participants in the game. And that is where I will hang my hat. Well, I hope you're prepared to eat that hat. But no, I'm kidding. Or am I? Yes, I am. We can hang our hat exactly where we want, of course. But I believe the original question was, are Dungeon Masters and players playing the same game. And right there, you have the implication that DMs are playing 
regardless of how you choose to answer that particular question. I think we established in the last episode that the referee is doing a lot more than just refereeing. They're playing NPCs, they are playing the environment. You, or rather Matt, mentions preparation and it's evident that some, including our good friend Joe, even view that as an element of play. Now, you may not want to label them as a player, but if the referee doesn't feel like they're playing, maybe it's time to reconsider their approach to the game. But I'm just throwing out ideas here. Thank you very much for your call, Jason. Hey, Spencer, it's Michael. Chicago is listening to your episode 228. Just got through the call-ins. And got to say that I am a proud old-school referee, game master, dungeon master. And my gosh... I am playing when I am doing all my things, whether it's just being the referee or whether it's uh, running something in a free creek spiel uh, manner or I'm running OD&D or running AD&D. You betcha I'm playing because I'll tell you what, I would not be doing all of this stuff if it wasn't fun and play for me. When I'm imagining my characters NPCs, what the world is doing. That's not me just flipping the page to chapter 23, page 7, paragraph 6, item A. No, no, no. I am having a good old time. I am playing just as much as those players are. Is it a different play? Is it a different perspective? Is it a different part of the game? Absolutely. But I'll tell you what, if you aren't having fun, why in the beep are you doing it? I don't know. Michael Shorten there, Chicago Wiz of the Dungeon Master's Handbook, quite eloquently and passionately echoing my own thoughts. And to illustrate just how much fun he's having, Michael continues. And as far as your admission, well... Here is a recent character that I introduced to my OD&D game, a rather interesting mage named Glide Sako, who has something to say to you. <laughs> yes, well, you see, Spencer, it's, it's very important that you keep your sign of the bargain and I, I'm afraid I, I must insist that you do turn your attention yes your attention to, to the matter at hand and find something that we may listen yeah, I don't know about you but I'd do what Glide wants. <laughs> anyway, game on. I can assure you, both you and Glide, that I will have something for the Dungeon Master's Handbook very, very soon. Thank you very much for that message, Michael. So, The Bizarre Brochure, published by Joel Hines, 
The PDF is available on DriveThruRPG completely free and the softback is available in A5 format for £2.26 or $2.78. It's 50 pages long and this, this was released at the end of July. Here's the description. Step into a realm where imagination knows no bounds with the bizarre brochure. This 50-page community compilation represents the combined efforts of esteemed OSR authors and artists on the new OSR Discord server who have woven together a strange and motley tapestry of content with writer responding to prompt of an artist's illustration. It's also completely free. Conceived as a passion project during a time of pandemic, this collaborative flex introduces you to a menagerie of perilous beings, remarkable individuals, notable curios and enchanting encounters that will leave you enthralled. Within the pages of the brochure, over 20 different contributors come together to offer a treasure trove of inspiration for your ongoing adventures. With each turn of the page, you'll discover a new thread waiting to be unravelled, an intricate plot ready to be woven into your gaming sessions. Delve into the depths of this enchanting compendium and let your creativity take flight as you explore the curious and the arcane. The bizarre brochure serves as both a wellspring of ideas to invigorate your current campaign and a foundation upon which to build thrilling future scenarios so this is as i say a black and white zine with some fantastic art its front cover in particular is a really nice illustration by jp valderian that could have easily come straight from the pages of an early fighting fantasy book that echoes the wonderful intricate detailed work of the late russ nichols who we sadly lost earlier this year the art throughout is great a wide variety of styles from too many artists to mention here so i'm just going to go through the sections and maybe read out an entry from each one section one is entitled dangerous beings with a dozen or so unique creatures Executioner's mould, an unusually dry dust, brushed into the air by a careless hand, just one whiff, a single grain, insufflated, and the horror begins. First, the screaming as the mould takes host, rapidly multiplying inside the nasal passage. Well, that sounds fitting for how I'm feeling right now. <laughs> then the begging as it surges into the brain and begins producing fruiting bodies. It is from this stage of the mould's life cycle that it is so named. For those witness to the effects report the victims of the mould will plead out for beheading, crying for the executioner's blade. Within minutes, the mould completes its blooming stage. The victim's skull is replaced by a puffy grey ball filled with now dormant mould. And the image is as someone on their knees 
pointing to their head and pleading to another axe-wielding figure to address their troublesome issue. Section 2. Armour and Inventory with a variety of intriguing weapons and other useful items. Uh, what we've got here. Maydell's Pipe appears to be an ordinary long-stemmed pipe crafted in a dwarven style from unusually sturdy clay. Those who have tried would find it nearly impossible to break. When lit, it produces an unusual abundance of smoke that fills small rooms with a sweet aroma anyone in the area will find pleasant. Indeed, all gathered soon find themselves very comfortable as if surrounded by old friends. What those in the company of one smoking from old Maldale's pipe do not realise is how free they are with their own words. For the longer one is exposed to the smoke, the faster they are willing to reveal truths and unmask hidden intentions. Their secrets, along with those of others, become trivial and are easily shared with such welcoming companions as those here before them. The magic of Mandel's pipe never affects the user, but becomes increasingly difficult to resist as the conversation continues. And we've got a nice image here of a bearded gentleman enjoying a pipe with the smoke looping around him. Section 3. Notable Persons. Uh, there are 10 NPCs here. Big Snoz is a leader of a band of goblins, though he wasn't always so. In fact, he wasn't always a goblin. Big Snoz was once an orc soldier who deserted from a warlord's horde after a bloody defeat. Wandering through the countryside, he came upon a group of measly goblins. Deciding to make a new life here, he poorly disguised himself as a goblin, with a big fake nose and ears, shuffling about on his knees to assert himself as the biggest and de facto new leader of the group. The goblins themselves are quite suspicious of Big Snoz's disguise, but are too cowardly to say anything outright. Under the direction of Big Snoz, the goblin band has been successful at raiding hamlets and warehouses across the countryside. They make their hideouts in old, hollowed-out trees, where lookouts can keep watch over a great distance. And we have a crouched character, clearly wearing a false nose and false ears, and a little crown, wielding a sword, while some small goblins surround him, looking at him with a certain degree of curiosity. And the fourth and final section is dungeon maps. What we've got here is eight nicely drawn maps, which are unlabeled for you to use in whatever way you see fit. And that's it. A very nicely presented zine, brimming with ideas. And as I say, it's absolutely free. As always, there will be a link in the show notes. 
and as it's October I thought I'd do a little review of a horror film which I watched just the other week and uh, really enjoyed called Talk To Me. It was released in 2022 although I don't believe it got a broader release until this year and it is a supernatural horror film directed by Danny and Michael Filippo. I think I'm saying that correctly. Two guys who made their name on YouTube, known for their comedy horror skits. And I think there is there is something about comedians that turn to horror. I'm really disappointed by people from a comedic background who turn their hand to horror, I have to say. And this is a story, it's a nice twist on the old teens messing with the cult trope. But I found this film quite refreshing instead of messing with a Ouija board it's a mummified hand of a medium that you sit down you hold this mummified hand and you say talk to me and a spirit will appear before the person involved who then invites that spirit to possess them now there are rules about using this hand that you're only allowed to engage in contact with the hand for 90 seconds. Otherwise, the spirit that's possessing you becomes too powerful and takes control of your body. And, uh, well, you can probably guess where this goes, but things don't play out quite how you would imagine. And what's interesting that I particularly liked is that the protagonists, although... You know, they are teens. They're not the kind of people that you want to see get dispatched. You have a real connection with these individuals. And it's really quite a gruelling film because you feel for these characters and you have to watch them making bad decision after bad decision. And I had to create my own intermission at one point just to have a quick breather before returning to the rest of the film. And it's not just about the horror, it's exploring grief, peer pressure, isolation, and the longing for connection. And um, yeah, I was just really, really impressed by it. It has a great soundtrack. I really like the way it's directed. And yes, if you feel you're up to that, I would recommend checking it out. Well, that's quite enough from me. Thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate all the messages I receive. If you'd like to contact me, you can leave an audio message via speakpipe.com slash keepofftheborderlands, all one word. You can contact me via email, spencer.freeforall at gmail.com. You can also find me on Discord, as detailed in the show notes, and at freeforall on Instagram, Blue Sky and that dumpster fire formerly known as Twitter. Mastodon at freethrall at mastodon.social if you're that way inclined. 
and there's even a Keep Off The Borderlands Facebook group. All those links and more can be found at freeforall.card with two rs.co. You can hear me in actual plays on Grizzly Peaks Radio, if you're into that sort of thing. And there's always the Stockasian newsletter on Substack. If you'd like to support the show, you can at co-fee.com slash freethrall. There's my itch page, or you can even try giving it a review. The music for Keep Off The Borderlands is provided by the multi-talented Mr. Timothy J. Drennan. And it just remains for me to say, take it away, TJ. Warning, if celebrating the sound of dice hitting the table and pondering the meaning of the many acronyms within your player's handbook doesn't cure that burning sensation, please see your doctor.